Wait, so wait, did he just say mom's watching? Ma Ma's watching. Yeah, Hi, mom. I'm gonna be talking about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whenever the hell you're listening to us. This is Drunk Discussion, and we're your hosts. I'm Paul, and I'm Connery. And today we have my brother is joining us. Um, David is a analytical chemist, traveling analytical chemist. Yes. And, and either way, he's been wanting to get on the podcast for a minute, and I was like, you know what? What better way and day to talk about marijuana and then today so connery how was your week we didn't even talk too much first uh no we've both been very busy i've been with work and uh tiktok and all of that and uh yeah it's been good i've I, so friday yesterday i started celebrating yesterday. the birthday weekend and uh i don't know what i did oh yeah i went you live blacked out no i didn't drink um we went ahead and we did uh, a lifting Lauren and I lifted on TikTok live and then we went ahead and a few hours later finished waxing my back on live. We did see that and that mm. looked painful, sir. But I mean, oh. hey, yeah. you know what? I've always thought about waxing it too because shaving just doesn't work. It comes back. It's itchier. This morning I learned that uh, uh, even though you can lift a shit ton of weight, uh, when it comes to rock climbing, your finger strength is important. Yeah. So what are you drinking on today then? A good old can of Bud Wright. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're drinking some old elk. We got three different kinds here. David went with the uh, four grain. So did I. So got the gold little puker out again, you know, a little pukey. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got a lot to talk about today. Of course, we're talking about marijuana, uh, the scientific background of marijuana. We're talking about a new superconductor that's kind of raising eyebrows amongst the community and uh, a few other things. Of course, we're expecting drunk tangents. That's to be expected. So if we don't talk about something, it's it means we're having a great time. Uh, but with all that being said, let's go ahead and roll set in. One, two, three. I'm a type two civilization hipster. Jesus is watching you, you're gonna all burn in hell. That's why Antarctica's off limits. It's just a fun, bunch of penguins fucking each other, and it causes a chain reaction. People lose off, their fucking minds. Started. Trust me, man, I've seen some shit. Nice to be in Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. You should probably go get that checked and shove a <laughs> finger in your bum. You're laughing, but it's already in there. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for joining Drunk Discussions Podcast. Uh, yeah, you want to take it away, we David? David Rea, the master of marijuana. Let's hear Wait, it. Uh, so what? Okay. All right. So first, I guess I'll give you guys a little bit of my background. Um, I graduated top of class of Hawking College. Is first, actually first ever cannabis-oriented analytical chemistry degree. Uh, so... This degree focused on testing residual solvents, uh, pesticides, mycotoxins, heavy metals, uh, microbial. We, we, you had to learn about every single thing that was needed in order to test, properly test and legally test cannabis in the state of Ohio, which not a lot of a lot of people know this, but the state of Ohio is the hardest uh, state to test cannabis in due to the action limits of a lot of their uh, things that they test for. Uh, for example, we have some things like mycotoxins um, and specific pesticides that are all the way as low as a couple parts per billion. 
where the same exact molecules and other states are 100 to 1,000 uh, times higher than that. So we have to be a little bit more um, smart with the way we do our pr sample prep and everything like that so that we actually get everything out of uh, the actual sample. So that way, everything's safe. It's safe to consume, safe to in, 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 inhale, vape, exactly. ingest. Uh, after, after college, I worked at Cureleaf, which is the world's largest cannabis company. I helped set up their lab in Johnstown, Ohio. I worked on the processing side, but I also... Uh, would they allowed a lot of overtime so i would also work in the cultivation side as well i am also a, a operations manager for hot hemp so we currently have 1700 plants in the ground right now they're looking absolutely beautiful we just had a storm and every single one of them he is, does send is me a lot of pictures up. of them it's in uh yeah they're they're almost like five six feet right now um and we still have a couple more months till harvest so these these guys are going to be absolute trees this year <laughs> So, so do you um so when it comes to you, you do like cross pollination and things like that as well to build the like best genetic changes over or? time like you used to get the best so we actually kind of going along with the whole chemistry route we have a specific uh strain multi, actually multiple specific strains of cannabis that are what's referred to as triploids so um what does how that do mean? i put this how do i put this in perspective basically these plants have an extra chromosome. So these these plants, if you want to relate it to humans, it would be like uh, similar to like Down syndrome, things like that. Uh, but it's basically genetic modification to where <laughs> Connor's losing it. I'm it's sorry. genetic modification to sterile. basically make the entire plant sterile. Now, what does that mean? Um, basically, what that means is it. yeah, no. no. <laughs> It actually has no uh, effects on the looks and the taste and the aromas of the plant itself. But what it does do is it makes it unable to uh, pollinate and unable to actually accept, accept pollen from other plants. So uh, not a lot of people know this, but cannabis really? is a dioecious plant. So they are male and female. And you can actually have a female plant that if you stress it enough, it will turn male and release pollen. It is uh, a uh, defense mechanism that is you know millions and millions of years old. Uh, in order to try to keep that uh, species of plant alive. No shit. And conservatives are going to be pissed when they realize they're <laughs> looking trans, trans weed. Yes, uh, yes. So that's really cool. So I, I learned, I want to step back. You were talking about like the parts per billion and things like that when it comes to chemicals that are found inside the plants. I didn't really learn about parts per whatever until the um, East Palestine train derailment when they were talking like the hydrochloride is something that's measured in parts per hundred thousand, which means a small amount of it is extremely dangerous to oh. your DNA composition and a bunch of other things. So are there any chemicals that when you're testing it, you really kind of a red flag when it comes to, um, you know, the, even if it's a very, very small quantity, it's something that you should not take in. Absolutely. Uh, the big, <laughs> the big ones are heavy metals. And uh, it, it depends on the pesticide. For instance, there are some pesticides that are way worse than others. Uh, there's a whole I'm, list that, that in moment. Ohio that are referred to as LOD uh, pesticides, which are limit of detection. That is supposed to mean the if your instrument is able to detect it at all, then it fails. Um, however, there is a lot of issues going on specifically with Ohio that, you know, they, they didn't really, you know, 
say exactly what it is for LOD. So they're, they're able to do a, a little bit of manipulation there. But regardless, it's still ridiculously low in comparison to everywhere else. So there is, uh, from analytical lab to analytical lab in Ohio, there is going to be different LODs because it's going to depend a lot on their analytical equipment. If they so, have old analytical equipment, it's going to be a much higher LOD compared to brand spanking new. Is there any equipment. any pesticides or herbicides that they use in the industry now where it's not like a non-toxic and it's not a problem for it? Or is that like not exist theoretically? Because like so, you can wash a fruit and vegetable of pesticides and, and you know, you know things that preserve it off you can't really wash your weed yeah so th that's when we get into a <laughs> that's when we get into a very you know you know tricky subject um and there there is definitely if you if you go and look for instance for ohio it, it is required for them to list out exactly what they spray so if you if you are curious and you are a medical patient in ohio you can uh go and look and see what each um different processor cultivator uh, where they're getting their stuff from, you know, and, and if they have anything that uh, you might not like. But they're, overall, there's a lot of banned pesticides and there is a lot of uh, action limits that are set for some of these pesticides that in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, for the overall United States of America, we have the one, uh, basically one time uh, exposure limit. So, it, you're going to be safe in that in that aspect. However, um, if you're doing stuff at home and you uh, are spraying pesticides on your plants, that is something that I definitely would recommend if you can. Uh, if you live in a state where you can get it tested, you you know you definitely want to do that. This is with fruits and vegetables as well. If you spray anything on your plants, guys, um, you I, I really do think like not just washing them, like you should get them tested and, and to see if you know you actually are. So. That's why it's better to go organic. But financially, it's better to go organic. Financially, though, like not everyone can. Is it cheap to get these your fruits? Like, if I just wanted to test my peppers, I can just like take them to you, or like, is there a way they can they can go about testing? So, for cannabis testing labs specifically, they are not allowed to test anything else other than cannabis. They're not legally even allowed to test and give you a uh, certificate of analysis for hemp. It is marijuana, medical marijuana only, for the state of really? Ohio. Uh, some other states, they might be a little bit different. There are some multi-state operating labs uh, that, uh, you know, you might, some states might be able to do it and the other states might not. But I know that was kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, no, there's there's definitely um, there's definitely exceptions to rules each place you go. And there's definitely changes in prices wherever you go. You know, for for uh, for instance, for hemp, you can go all across the United States. Uh, and so prices are way lower compared comparatively to like medical marijuana. So I don't know if you'll know this question, but when it comes to testing, when it comes to background of the product that you would be consuming as a medical marijuana patient, um, what, if you could list like the top three states when it comes to extensiveness, when it comes to testing, and like I said, I don't know if you'll know that, but uh, what would you say the top three states when it comes to medical marijuana testing are? So in my personal opinion, every single state needs to step up their game for medical marijuana testing, including Ohio. I, I do think that there are some you know, crazy action limits that we have to do that I think need to be addressed. But there's some other things that we should uh, do to address quality that, we're, in my opinion, um, are not you know, set in stone. And it really depends on where you go as a, a processor, processor or cultivator. But as far as the most strenuous, cheers. Most strenuous uh, testing, that would be the state of Ohio. Um, but, uh, you have to realize we, even though we go much lower action limits, we do not test, for instance, as many pesticides as California, really? we, but we go well, way lower California. from the pesticides. Yeah. That we do. 
for instance, one of the pesticides uh, we talk about, like cyfluthrin, uh, we test, I believe it's like 10 parts per billion is what we have to get at. And oh, wow. cyfluthrin is an isomer, so you have to basically split those all up. That's we can get into that later. Um, but uh, the, the, thing, the thing, the thing, the thing, what does that mean? Like when you have to test it like that? Uh, so an isomer is basically it goes along with the structure of the actual individual molecule. So you can have a molecule that, let's say, it has five parts to it, like a hand, and then you can also have it flip flopped, right? That structurally is different than this one. Even yeah, though they are, they can, they're composed of the exact same things, they structurally are different. Then you also have to add in, what about isotopes of elements, guys? Because, you know, like there's different types of carbon, you know, there's multiple different types of carbon. That also means, I, so there's multiple different types of shit that you can get into. One's, um, a, one's an inline pip slot, the other one's a out of line. Back, backhand, <laughs> yes, yeah, correct, correct. You get the front hand and the backhand. This is probably the most by chemistry as well back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> this is probably one of the most educated uh, guests we've podcast had on. so far. Yeah, yeah, geez. All right, only so... haven't even started talking about superconductors. I know. Yeah, I'm excited for that part. Uh, yeah, huge news on yeah. that one. But yeah. all right, so, so when it comes to yeah, when it, back to cannabis, let's talk about like the machines and stuff. Like, are they massive? Like, are you using like like huge computers or something? Or are you having little tiny like microscopes and stuff like that's, that? You use? That's another thing. It really depends on where you go. For instance, uh, like California, I'm not going to lie, guys, not to like throw shade at California labs or anything. You guys are doing great out there. But um, the overall like processing laboratories are going to look way different comparatively to some other states and some other countries. For instance, if you go over to Europe, medical marijuana labs are literally the cleanest thing you guys have ever seen. Everything, if it is metal, it has to be polished stainless steel so like and it has to be there's like crazy ridiculous cleanliness in the laws like for instance uh i got to look at a uh, extractor that the united states model was like 40 million dollars the same exact size and throughput model that was up to the eu standards almost 300 million dollars because of all the extra shit that they had to do to polish stuff up basically every single line of tubing polish this that and the other do you think it's just because of the extensiveness of how long the UK's had a little bit more open laws and regulations in regards to marijuana it consumption? Really, is more the way that they're setting up their their cannabis laws. They're really treating it more like medicine, while the United States is kind of treating it more like a commodity, um, which uh, allows for different issues. Um, I mean, like I think that there should be both. In my personal opinion, for instance, if you treat it more like a commodity, you're not going to be as caring more about quality. You're going to be treating it more like, uh, for instance, like uh, not to call out, you know, Bud Light or anything, but you're going to treat it more like a Bud Light. It's all about the quantity and marketing and the quantity over quality, getting it all out to the people as opposed to like a craft beer where, you know, they're taking a lot of time for the bottles, for the labels, for the ingredients, you know, they're doing all this other stuff, which I'm not saying Bud Light doesn't have its place. And I'm not saying this, you know. Um, uh, like more recreational market cannabis does not have its place. I think it does, but it's really disheartening for the connoisseurs out there to who actually want good quality medicine that don't need a lot of THC to get them to where they need to go. I think so I you're you're also one of the first marijuana licensed connoisseurs too, right? For the state of Ohio, yes, I was uh, in one of the first um, licensed marijuana. Uh, medical patients. Uh, I'm going to be giving up my medical card this year just due to I'm going to be traveling a lot, and it just is, doesn't really make sense considering I'm not even going to be in the state. And also I'm, you know, running a hemp company. So I'm just going to use a lot more of the, uh, the hemp that I'm able to, to get for a, a much reduced price comparatively to the uh, actual medical marijuana. And it does similar effects. I mean, definitely if, if you're, you know, uh, 
completely locked up, you're definitely going to want THC. I'm just you know going to be honest with you guys. But hemp will get you through the day and get you where you need to go. Um, but anyway, back to what you what you were talking about. I am also uh, I have a, a cannabis sommelier uh, certificate. Uh, so oh, I am very earthy. No, this yeah. one's floral. Yeah. So it's it's not in and of itself like a wine sommelier where I can just you know open up a bag and be like, oh, that is uh, Blue Dream 1994. You know, like <laughs> yeah. no, it, it doesn't work like that. But what you're able to do is you're uh, trained to use your trigeminal nerve in your nose to actually pick out effects and aromas. Uh, that will cause different um, flavors and not only flavors, but also sensations as well. So you're, wow. I'm actually able to open up a bag with my you know, eyes closed, being able to smell it and feel basically feel my nose um, and be able to tell if it's a little bit lower, like, all right, this is going to be a little bit more of a sedating guy. If it's a little bit higher, you know, going to be a little bit more of a stimulating um, guy. So and if it's, you... if it's in between, you can kind of gauge if it's kind of like a hybrid. So I think it's safe to say, like, we've all done it. Before medical marijuana existed, we all smoked it. Um, looking back at the shit that you've bought, not exactly on the. I was going uh, on to ask skits. the same question. Damn. Do you now that you know your shit, so to say? Uh, do you look back and say that guy really lied to me about this was oh. an indica or a sativa? Oh yeah, or anything like that? absolutely, guys, absolutely, Isn't guys. Like and indica I and a sativa, like not a real thing anymore. Uh, if you guys, that's like a whole like twenty minute conversation. <laughs> so you really want me to dive into it? Kind of, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's a I've heard in the community it's quite a big diversifier too. Yes. So a lot of the states are using indica hybrid and sativa. Um, but I'm sorry to break it. I'm sorry to break it down to you guys, and I'm sorry to you know kind of crush this whole uh, veil that uh, has been uh, put into the cannabis industry. But uh, those those don't exist. Uh, oh. So cannabis sativa, it's actually cannabis sativa Linnaeus. I don't, that last part sounds familiar. Uh, uh, Carl Linnaeus, he's the guy who made binomial nomenclature. He's like very, very famous, you know. Uh, so everyone knows that the thing. He's is super famous. rope. When you think of cannabis sativa, that is like the when people when most people think of hemp, the you like know rope. They like think it. of like the rope yeah. type of hemp. There are multiple different types of hemp that we can get into for five uh, here in a second, yeah. but. Um, there's fibrous hemp and there's also hemp that you can now consume as medicine that is made to, you know, for minor cannabinoids, like the stuff that my so, business. So does. the, the idea of when they say sativa, they're, they're just getting after a, a taller plant. It's not necessarily really the effects. They're like, oh, this plant's taller. It's closer to the hemp or no. Uh, so it really, uh, de depends on a lot of factors, internodal spacing, how close they grow together. If they're not able to grow like super, super close together, super, super tall, not having buds at all. If, if they are really, really close together, super, super tall, that is that is cannabis sativa linea. That they, is the fibrous rope type of hemp. So when it comes to, is there like observational studies that are being done in regards to different strands? So taking a group of people and saying, okay, uh, what what did you experience during this? Did you have relaxation? Yes, yes. Medical, yeah. Yeah. yes there, there is multiple different studies that are being done um, with it being feder not federally legal. It's being really, really hard and they're only able to do so much with these studies. And it's kind of, in my opinion, not where it needs to be. Um, a lot of it is more anecdotal questions and things like that, not actually like doing brain scans or anything like that, which is my, my opinion, what needs to be done. Um, MRIs, things like that. Huh. Uh, these types of things need to be done for cannabis and cannabis patients because cannabis is re reacts differently to each individual. And also, depending on your natural endocannabinoid levels, can also react completely different. Um, like your two arachidonoglycerol and your anadimide levels, those are what are actually responsible for your natural homeostasis as a human being. So the uh, endocannabinoid system um, is actually, it, we thought it was part of your nervous system. 
and we found out later on that holy shit these are actually two separate guys um one of even though they are basically guys two two separate guys two separate guys like there are they're they're in conjunction with our nerve right but they're not actually like nerve nerve cells or cells so we always when you know back in the day when you know people were cutting people up trying to figure out what the heck's going on inside of a body they just thought that the endo they just thought that those were nerves but in fact they are nerves and your ecs in intertwined correct wow correct so shit paul how's it feel having a brother that's a fucking genius compared to you (laughs) i got the athleticism and you got the brains it is what it is i'm telling you what this is the most engaging conversation i've ever had not just because we're talking like marijuana he's saying shit i've never even heard of never even heard of and that's what i'm saying yeah sometimes you got to break it down for us though like not every listener out here knows exactly what you're talking about a lot of the times the listeners that we have ignorant in this topic a lot are word of mouth and when it comes to word of mouth david uh think about who i am and who paul is and you're generally getting the basis of who's joining this podcast so layman's terms is always a great way of putting it uh but no this is this is great so i had a question that i've been kind of dwelling on so when it comes to growing factors do you do or is it a mixture of both indoor controlled environment or is it a a field like do you have to have exposed the exterior so i've grown a large-scale indoor and large-scale outdoor uh cure leaf was large-scale indoor uh we had over fourteen thousand plants um that you had to, we had a max of 14,000. So basically when you get to certain levels, you'd have to like kind of fluctuate and kill some off if you didn't want them and things like that. So that you're always at the 14,000. Um, but we had over 14,000 plants inside. And then also at hot hemp, we've got, uh, like I said, 1700 outside this year. I will say in my personal opinion, I mean, obviously, you know, cannabis growing is like, you know, the old saying there's more than one way to skin a cat. But in my personal opinion, growing outdoors, with uh, or with supplemental lighting is superior just because of some of the results that i have seen but it doesn't mean if you grow outdoors that your stuff's going to be good there's so many factors that you have to deal with not only is the the lighting that you get important but the uh, airflow is very very important the uh type of like type of soil that you have is very very important if there is enough uh beneficial bacteria and fungi like mycorrhizal mycorrhizal life in there um all these things are very, very important to not only cannabis, but to every single plant. And that is why you see online some of these people that have these, you know, massive pumpkins and they do it all organically or these massive cucumbers and they do it all organically. They're basically using a lot of these different uh, tools and tricks that these people have found, um, you know, doing things like crushing up eggshells to add, you know, calcium back into your soil, uh, doing different types of composts or like vermiculture, which is, uh, actually using worms and worm poo I mean, to break down uh, different uh, types of nutrients and things. It, it kind of reminds me of like when we were back in school, they told us that, you know, like the natives, when, you know, the Englishmen came over and they were first immigrating here and they got together for like Thanksgiving, the natives taught them how to grow properly. Yeah. And they would put fish down underneath the maze. Yeah. So like the idea is there's a lot more nutrients. They're going to hit the nitrogen right. and, the right. and, and everything directly onto that yeah. seedling. And to go to go off of that, they also talked and taught us about companion plants. So a lot of people don't even know this because they just want to have these nice clean gardens. But it's good to have companion plants with your and you can look it up each plant i guarantee you out there has some sort of companion plant and obviously there's ones that are negative like yes absolutely absolutely and there's also types of plants that you can plant to uh for instance let's say your tomatoes are getting attacked by a certain type of insect right yeah well clover is one of them but you can plant specific plants next to it 
that will attract all of your bugs and then your tomatoes are fine. They're yeah, called sacrificial plants. The tomatoes we had this year got destroyed, but the yeah. peppers are looking fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. But we also have honeybees now. That's a big thing. You have more pollinators around the area. It's going to make, you know, better fruit, right? Pollinators are a big thing. And I ha I don't know. There is, there is a, not a lot of evidence out there with cannabis and pollination. But what I will say is there is a bee, bee hive at uh, right next to our farm. And I always see bees covering our plants. And the honey tastes like hemp. Yeah, so, I've, I've, heard, I've heard that a few times. So like, there's I a mean, lot of hemp honey out there, too. Yes. Now, what about the bees up in the north that people say that they would, like, eat and get the pollen from a local plant, and then they call it, like, your, your hot, hot honey. Hot it would honey. get you, like hallucinogenic hot honey i think is a little bit different than that i don't it i is, think is. hot honey it's is actually like rotten. honey yeah I, I think there's like some but i mean saying if it can happen in that situation couldn't it theoretically happen with just high levels of thc bud plants too like if they go in there and get that that you know those pollen i would imagine you know about that oil with a... i don't know about that that would be that would that's a lot of you know you think it's a stretch or you I think, it's, it I think it's a stretch but i will say i have had infused honey and infused honey is amazing amazing it is absolutely amazing. So it's like a tincture, but it's honey. But it's honey. So down here in Florida, we have uh, what you would call flea market weed, and you know it's the THC ten <laughs> or whatever. Oh, the deltas. Oh, that's yeah, the a whole deltas, thing, isn't it? It still has an um, a psychological effect to it. It still has a body effect to it. What is the major characteristic differences between that and you know what you're doing? Yeah, like if I get All a right. delta ten, is so, it like real weird or a delta eight? I. I'm, this is going to piss a lot of people off, but I'm sorry. Sorry to break it to you guys. But uh, yes, there is some Delta 10, Delta 8s, you know, weird things that go on in cannabis that, you know, could potentially produce a small amount of it. The highest Delta 8 that I've ever seen, and this is in an oil. So this is after like we uh, extracted and everything yeah, was like under 1%. You know, so I'm not saying that we could potentially in the future go out and genetically modify something to produce a lot of Delta 8. But unfortunately, if you're going out and you're consuming Delta-8, Delta-10, um, HHO, THCO, flour, it is not actually grown that way. It is synthetically made in a laboratory. Is that what that is, Connor? Did you get that, that, that side of the road weed cart? Uh, no, I bought this at the mall. Yeah. Okay. And you so guys need to be very, is, very careful I was gonna of say, these, how, these. How are these secondary carts? Like, have you got to test some of these black market yes. carts and see what's inside of them? Yes. And ah, shit, I have to, you know, because I have signed NDAs and things like that. So I can't really necessarily tell you exactly. But get them drunk. Is... Get them drunk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> get them drunk. There is definitely, we need to look into the that part of the industry. The, but the problem is, is not necessarily what we're looking at, it's what we're not looking at. Is like a lot of these proprietary products and stuff added into it or not necessarily a lot of a lot of, no not even necessarily that a lot of these people they're either taking cbd and using uh super strong acids and super strong bases and different molecules to literally rip stuff off and put stuff on and that's really, really what like i'm getting at is marijuana yes we're we're only testing for we're smoking you know k2 dudes yeah, spice. Yeah, or smoking that, spice. That it, you guys are it's consuming synthetic cannabis. Yes, but um, it oh. is basically. <laughs> oh, you, there's also other ways where you cannot even use cannabis at all, which that part scares me. Um, you Isn't know, that with terpenes, you can right? use toluene and actually using different uh, chemistry, you can create delta eight and delta ten. And um, if you guys are getting cards from China, it is not only legal, but it's kind of you know. 
shady. It, I mean, when you're making a shitload of money, it's in that's uh, uh, bad. Interest. And they also have the pharmaceutical capabilities, you know, to I'm not, you know, saying that they're making shady carts, but I'm saying they're making shady <laughs> carts, you know, like it's so, definitely happening. So, is part again, of your NDA the Wuhan virus in this or like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, all right. So, so. So it's like what are these synthetic tests? then? So what's causing what's causing like the psychological effects? What's causing the 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 body? So you're saying like the yeah. body relaxation part of it's probably related to CBD, but anything that's happening uh, with neurologically or whatever is synthetic. Yeah. So that kind of goes back to what is your endo and endocannabinoid system. So you have your uh, like CB1 and CB2 receptors. Those are your two main big ones. Uh, there's a bunch of other receptors that you're. Uh, that, endo, that can endocannabinoids can uh, bind to. I think like one of them is like TRVP1. You know, there's there's a bunch of other different crap that they can bind to. But in the grand scheme of things, it's CB1 and CB2 receptors. So you have, as as a human being, actual receptors when it comes to cannabinoids that are correct. specifically directed towards cannabinoids. Cannab cannabinoids. Yes, correct. So correct. And they're all over your body. Genetically, or not genetically. Um, the stone ape theory was right. So essentially, human beings ha have written their DNA over time, I would imagine, right? Not just humans. All, almost all mammals. Actually, all mammals have endocannabinoid receptors. Really? All, all of them? Well, we haven't necessarily found every single... But for you know, the majority of the time... Basically, every single one we find and we test to see if it's got an, uh, you know, an ECS system, it does. That is yes. fascinating as shit. Yes. So like whales, we didn't want to... Whales have an ECS. So, so whales get we're out, get we're out there getting whales high. We you theoretically, if you had enough THC, could potentially get a whale high. Is there is there a formula? There also uh, could be a lot of other side hold effects on. that could potentially happen. Wait, 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 Paul, wait, wait, wait. This, this, Paul. Hold on. Is Paul. there a formula I... to calculate how much body mass per you would need? Yes. Yes. Okay. Have you done <laughs> the math to yes. find out? How well, much? well, do you remember it? Uh so it's about five milligrams per kilogram. Okay, so how much, how is, much a, is a how whale? many kilograms <laughs> is a whale? Well, are we going like blue whale, or are we just going like a freaking you know narwhal? <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. <laughs> well, I'm starting to get a little okay, bit, no, bit of a buzz, so question. this is going to so, sidetrack like, a little. People bit. always say that they get their dogs high or their cats high. Or you can like, yes, get and, your or like catnip. Is it gonna? Is that true that like catnip acts and reacts the same way with those kind of felines? As like us smoking marijuana. No, actually, catnips, uh, catnips reacts the exact same way that cocaine does for the human brain. Uh, that it releases sense. dopamine and serotonin, um, totally which is why sense. they kind of can freak out. Yeah, um, and their pupils wow. dilate. Um, yeah, so that catnip for cats reacts does not react like cannabis. However, they do have an endocannabinoid system, and so if you, you give get them your cat high. You can get your cat high. It's, that's that's abuse. Just let yes. you guys know out there, like that is abuse. So wait a second. You can put your cat on speed, and that's completely okay. But the moment you give it relaxation benefits, it's animal abuse. Right. Correct. Okay. Cool. Correct. Cool. That is that is the way they look at this. Yes, but they that's do awesome. have hemp for your dogs and things like that. Hot Hem actually produced a CBG dog treat that is made out of uh, freeze dried chicken. Uh, look it up, guys. What it is, is fantastic. Uh, so CBG is cannabigerol. It's actually referred to as the mother of all cannabinoids. Um, if you want, if you can, guys can go ahead and look up online the actual endocannabinoid. I'm not sorry, endocannabinoid, the phytocannabinoid breakdown. They all start from CBG and then they get added to, and then different things happen. Uh, you know, light 
causes this to happen, degradation, all these other things happen to where they will uh, break down into other molecules. But so like, for instance, THCA, that comes from CBG, uh, you know, CBN, which is the basically the very, very end, not the very, very end, but the basically the end as far as we're concerned for uh, endocannabinoid purposes for cannabis. That starts with CBG. So really? Yes. So uh, they... Is- is there any that specifically have the most like information and credibility to like actual like medicinal uses or properties right now that are like striding in, in the medical side? Or is it more just for specifically like pain relief only, you think? So it's actually a little bit of everything, man. Um, that's the, the good part about the endocannabinoid system because it does so much. You're able to uh, not only use it to target specific illnesses, but you're able to use it in conjunction with other medicine to help out with illnesses. So uh, for instance, uh, there's a gentleman right now who I'm giving a lot of CBD and CBG to who it has uh, blood cancer and it is helping him out tremendously. Uh, he's basically, really? yeah, wow. it, it's in conjunction with chemo. And uh, after his chemo, you know, you can tell like it's, it's hitting him hard and he'll go and he'll literally drink a whole bottle of tincture. And 15, 20 minutes later, he's, you know, not back to a hundred percent, but he's definitely, you know, lively. Um, you know, can eat food, can, yeah, can drink eat water. food, can drink water, and things like that. Why do you think the perception of smoking marijuana, right, is so negatively found upon? Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's be fair. honest, it is progressively. No, it's, it's actually fair. before that. If you if you guys really want the me to go into drugs. it, uh, this, I, I would this like asshole, that. Yeah. This asshole called called Re- William Randolph Hearst and Harry Anslinger. Um, they are the that again? Wait, William Randolph Hearst and Harry Anslinger. Anal slinger, ant slinger, ant slinger, slinging slasher. Yeah. So these these assholes actually are entirely responsible for the victimization of cannabis. Um, They are basically what happened is uh, ant slinger went to 30 different doctors um, and said, hey, I need basically I need you to find something bad about cannabis. Um, Everybody came back and said nothing's wrong with cannabis. Cannabis is a good medicine. I've been, you know prescribed for years, hundreds of years, this, that, and the other. What he was the then time frame of did the exact people? same thing and said, I need you to find something bad about marijuana. What was the kind of the time frame that this all happened? Like the uh, so 19... this is during prohibition. So basically Anslinger and Hearst were really, really big into uh, the, the prohibition. That was literally their job. They were like head of prohibition. Um, uh, and also one of them was uh, really big in Congress and everything. And that was like, what was the whole reason that he was getting elected? Is because he was, you know, saving the community, you know, saving people from alcohol, this, that, and the other. But when prohibition ended, he didn't have a fucking job anymore. So he uh, needed something to do to basically continue himself. So he basically said that, you know, all African Americans were smoking uh, marijuana and raping people. And they said the same thing about the Mexican immigrants that were coming over a lot more at that particular time. And that's the whole reason why they called it marijuana, is because uh, marijuana was a term that a lot of the uh, people from Latin America used because uh, it's actually a beautiful word. A lot of people demonize it now, but it's actually a really beautiful word. Way, way, way back in like Spanish occupation, they were uh, marijuana was part of their rituals and they completely said, no, it's done. You have to basically uh, believe in Christ, right? Um, so they called it marijuana and Mary Jane, uh, like, the, like the Mother Mary. Um, so that way they uh, would say like, oh, if anybody would hear, heard them overhearing them talking about it, saying like, I need to, I need Mother Mary, you know, things like that. Uh, or we're going to go and pray to Mother Mary, things like that, uh, the conquistadors wouldn't just fucking kill them because, you know, it was illegal to practice their religion. And, and that's, they would still use cannabis 
as their um uh their basically their their their, their, their religion, religion. Yeah, they, and it was it, it's actually a very very beautiful word so do not demonize the word marijuana it actually come even though they tried to you know ruin it in the 20s 30s and 40s and so on it is actually comes from very very beautiful origin so please do not demonize the word marijuana that is holy shit dude you've given me like 32 different popular tiktoks right now uh so <laughs> we're gonna break uh, this down a lot yeah. So, okay. So uh, you, you both have heard of a regulation that just went into effect where it makes oh, it a lot harder. No, no, no. To um, essentially attack people for practicing religious uh, freedoms yes. and things like that in the workplace. So for the listeners, just say you're praying Mary Jane <laughs> when you go out to lunch. Yeah. No. Lunch. Uh, so that's, that's incredible. Uh, I didn't know that history at all. That's awesome. Um, all right. They, Harry Anslinger and William Randolph Hearst actually eradicated so, all of that history. Isn't it true? Like, I remember hearing about this long ago, but that, like one of the studies that they used when they were bringing it up as a bill was a study of where they were using like capuchin monkeys and like yeah. filling their almost like uh, they were stuck, like their heads were in a vacuum and they would just fill it with smoke and then they died from suffocation. Yes. Not, not from oh. the weed. Sorry, it's disconnected. Over an ounce of marijuana per tiny monkey, um, an ounce to a pound of marijuana was combusted, put into these they monkeys via a gas mask, and they, they literally suffocated to death. And that that's what they used since the 70s yes. that's as the were. main thing that, hey, marijuana is bad. Yeah, it'll kill you. And Dare, Dare, Dare actually used that uh, when they first started off. Of they, course they do. They take they the extremes it. of something so, and they... This sounds so bad. And that's, it, it yeah. hurts me. They politicized like how many, it. Is what, how what many monkeys do you think? Like how many monkeys was it? Did they release how many monkeys? Like, how many monkeys jumped off oh, the bed high? Guys, I hate to break it to you, but there's literally on a daily basis there is millions of mice that are killed in the name of science. Thousands and thousands of monkeys. Um, there's specific breeds of like beagles um, that are you know literally just for scientific purposes. Uh, rabbits, all different types of things. It's sad, but it's kind of unfortunately one of those necessary evils. Um, before they, so you believe in this? You think it's? A I don't necessarily believe in it, but I will say it's a lot better than just wrangling people up off the street and just injecting them with shit, Peter which is, is what people would be forced to do. Peter's in the chat. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, no, and Peter, Peter, works uh, alongside with these organizations so that they, you know, he mainly treat these, you know, different uh, animals. Animals, yeah, and they're, so they're treated like gods to the instant that they're. Yeah, and there there is different laws, rules, and regulations in how you uh, they, it's called sack. Um, it's a it's a term shortened for sack. sacrifice. Um, there is rules and regulations for how you <laughs> um, dispatch of the. I don't know what they hell, call them, man. patients. I I really don't know. It's really it's messed up, and it's really sad to think about. But it is. There's actually a statue in Russia of a large mouse i think he's holding like a double helix and everything and, and like has like a lab coat on or whatever in tribute to the uh, millions and millions of mice that are killed each year if, uh, that's the russians would have that. specifically for specifically for that i mean yeah. to be fair it is going like like he said it himself Best. i mean when it comes to the studies that are going towards it it is something that's treating kids uh, uh, you know teenagers adults grandparents old young of all ages everything all when it comes to getting through cancers uh, yep. um and so not vaccines a, things like that not just that, also for livestock too. Like, yeah correct correct so has a there lot been of research a, going into livestock medication recently 
Has there been any uh, correlation between like Alzheimer's research and marijuana or anything like that? Yes, actually a lot of research um, and actually some anecdotal uh, evidence that I will say uh, for you know ourselves with our father. Um, there was times where I walked in and he looked like he had no idea what the fuck was going on. And he like kind of looked at me like he didn't, I mean, like he kind of knew what I was and everything, but, uh, um, but after he would consume cannabis, uh, whether it be THC or CBD, I gave him a lot of, uh, hemp. Um, he, within a few minutes would instantly be back to his old self, you know? Um, wow. so I will say there's, in my personal opinion, there's a lot of anecdotal, uh, evidence with like dementia and Alzheimer's and everything like that. But there's also but there a was... lot of actual research papers and stuff going on right now. Um, at the cellular level, it actually helps break off that plaque. So there was also, but there was many times when dad was high though, and he was definitely not here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it kind of goes to show like with the whole medication, you can, you get too high, you get too high, you know, like it, it happens no, to all of us. Yeah. No amount so of. So let's use you as a prime example. If I was to walk into the shop and say, okay, I'm experiencing um, thoughtfulness, I'm experiencing depression, I'm experiencing uh, pain, anxiety, anxiety, any of these things yeah. that people are there. If, if somebody was to go into the shop and they're looking for something specific, maybe they're introverted, they don't want to talk to the shopkeeper, what would they look for, for say, uh, anxiety so that's why that's that's where you get into that's the, why we got to the sativa and indica before yeah. that that's what they're trying to use those as as like reference points and reference points of it like, they're trying to say that sativa is stimulating and indica is sedating and everything in between is a hybrid which uh kind of getting back to the whole sativa indica hybrid everything full, loop, full, full loop full spec uh there is cannabis indica indica there is cannabis indica Afghanica. There is cannabis ruderalis. There is uh, cannabis sativa linnaeus. There's all these different subspecies of can of cannabis, all tied up within one. And you can, and now due to a lot of modern breeding, um, they're kind of hard to determine until we actually look at the entire cannabis genome. There is bracket. A, a, is there a, anyone that claims then to have like the closest original to it? Oh no, there there is thing. still. It's a whole thing right now with land races and everything. Like there's still cannabis ruderalis growing in the uh you know like siberia there is still uh cannabis indica afghanica grown in the hindu kush mountains and in, in uh, afghanistan um there's still cannabis indica indica growing um you know in uh, again the hindu kush mountains and things like this and uh you can't actually find these these strains uh you can and there, there is Athena? actually people it yeah was. there is actually you know uh, uh, this whole um, kind of subsect of the cannabis industry that these people go out to try to get the uh, old school cultivars to help clean up their genetic lines uh, because we're having a lot of problems with IBLs, which referred to as inbred lines, uh, where it's yes, you are starting to get really pretty, uh, nice internodal spacing. Type but it's buds. not doing anything that we're like, really yeah, wanting but it doesn't do. mean shit if it grows two weeks and then just dies, you know, and that's that's literally what we're having happen. It's 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 actually, in my opinion, it's starting well, to become like an epidemic. In the you cannabis can market industry. and polish a turd, but at the end of the day, it's still a turd. Everybody is so yeah. overhyped about getting the highest THC content that uh, other aspects of the cannabis plant are completely thrown out the door. Yeah, that, no, that makes complete sense. So it's sort of like the concept with corn corn stalks, right? So you can grow a 30-foot corn stalk, but it's completely worthless the moment it starts producing corn because it will fall over with the stalk being like that. So there, it's kind of the crossbreeding side That's of right. it. Um I am going to go ahead and use the restroom real quick, but we do have a question yeah, hey. from Logan. 
Um, and these is something that you two can discuss. Turpines. What is a turpine? Turpines. Yeah, turpentines. I'll You're be right back. Doctor Dave. So I actually, I actually validated a, a terpene assay for the last job that I was at cannabis industry. So terpenes are actually natural hydrocarbons, guys. Um, very similar to uh, a lot of other hydrocarbons that you come in on a you know regular basis, like uh, propane, butane, things like that. But they are uh, aromatic compounds that are naturally produced by plants, right? So they're responsible for a lot of the natural aromas that you would smell on a so daily like basis. Perfume. You're getting the yes, some right. perfumes actually do con uh, consume uh, uh, terpenes. For instance, uh, if anybody likes the smell of lavender, you are actually smelling, when you think of the smell of lavender, you are smelling linalool. That is what you're making that correlation to. Uh, if you really, really like um, beer, uh, you really, really like hops, you're, re you're really, really smelling is myrcene. Um, if you really like the smell of black pepper, that you're smelling beta caryophylline. Uh, there, there is all these different terpenes. Uh, for instance, I tested in my assay. We had like 64 different that, terpenes. Different ter terpenes that I would so test. So each for. one of those is like a different sensory in a sense. It smells. Yes. Yeah, so it, there is what is referred to as um, the entourage effect with cannabis and terpenes. So it is believed that uh, the cannabinoids will actually bind with the terpenes and they will stay on your receptors longer. And not only stay on your receptors longer, have a completely different effect depending on the terpene that is binding the cannab uh, to the cannabinoid. Now, we do know that there is uh, an entourage effect with different cannabinoids. So, like, for instance, CBD and THC can bind together and stay on your receptor longer. Um, so that is something that is really, really cool with cannabis as well. Um, but so you can kind of use that. Is there companies out there then using these terpenes as, like, replacements then? And it, it, they're technically More marketing. getting you hot. More marketing, um, but marketing. yes, they are saying like, oh, this is a little bit more stimulating. Oh, this is a little bit more sedating. Oh, this is a little bit more this. It's but you can't really say like, this is going to give you this effect, you know, because each person is different. Right. Go on. So uh, this is the common question, especially with somebody that's first getting into medical marijuana or, you know, recreational, uh, is I got too fucking high. And the yeah. what I've been told is if you've gotten to that point, Put a little bit of CBD tinctures under your tongue; it'll bring you down. Yep. Yep. What is that the case, and why? That is the or case. Or is it with milk too? So, kind of going back, that no. actually, that could actually so theoretically that... get you more fucked up if you had an edible. But really? we'll go into that in a little bit, okay. in, a, in a second. But going back to like what you were talking about with CBD, um, if you, like I said earlier, if you can take, if you consume THC and CBD, it really acts with all the minor cannabinoids: CBG, CBN, blah blah blah, whatever. All the cannabinoids. Um, if you consume them at the exact same time, they have a lot more likelihood of them binding together and staying on your receptor longer. However, if you say, let's say uh, you smoke a one weed, right? One marijuana, one you weed. smoke one unit of THC, whatever that may be. And then five, 10 minutes later, you smoke one unit of CBD. The CBD, because it's such a large molecule, will actually knock this THC right off of those receptors and replace it. Um, and and will, could potentially, if you're like way too high, bring you down. Also, if you're not high enough, you bring you down. And <laughs> it gets you know, not where you know, necessarily want to be. Uh, you know, if you oh. want a more of a uh, stimulating, like say your pain's really, 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 really bad, um, I would recommend taking the endocannabinoids at the exact same time. I would not take THC first and then CBD second because it might kind of be a little bit, you know, counterintuitive 
One but, thing that I've experienced when I've walked into a shop is uh, I ask him, I'm like, hey, I'm, and I, I ask hypothetical questions just because I like, to, you know, screwing with salespeople. Uh, and this kind of brings in the sales tactic. Do you think that salespeople or just the people behind the counter, when it comes to new people trying a product, Uh, that they're like, yeah, you need this. And next thing you know, they're taking a hundred milligram gummy. Um, So if you were to tell somebody, hey, this is what you should look for if you're just starting off when it comes to edibles or tinctures or smoking, what would you say? Is there safety measures in a sense? Like if you're starting out, is there a thing? If you're starting out, my biggest recommendation is get a low milligram, uh, especially especially with edibles, because it's when you are taking an edible, you are not consuming THC. What it's is actually de- happening? Decarbed. It is decarbed, yes, because it needs to be activated. Enough. Congratulations, you are con- yeah, yeah, you are consuming THC, not THCA. Uh, cannabis only naturally produces THCA, which is the acidic form. And in order for it to uh, go onto our receptors, we have to do what what is referred to as decarboxylation, which there's a carboxylic acid at the end of the chain that you need to break off in order for it to bind to our receptor. That is correct. But um, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> It's decarboxylation. Yeah, 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 my decarboxylation works well. But no, so like when someone starts into it and gets into it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You go to the, you're going to the store um, for your first time. Some people are freaked out. What do you recommend? Like excited, yeah. like a kid in a candy you need store. To, you need to take whatever, like, like for instance, if it's a gummy, you need to chop it up into smaller sections and consume it in a smaller, because you don't know how it's going to affect And how you. long would you wait? Because like some people are like, oh, I waited 45 Four minutes. Hours Four so hours at least. It piece. is completely different. If your body is not used to it yet, you might not even get high the very first time you consume it. And, and I would also, imagine guys, your body fat percentage plays a part into it. Exactly, how fast, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because it's very acidic. You're what the no, fat it's, is. It's, it's, lipo, uh, it's, it's lipophilic. Yeah. So it's lipophilic. It likes, it likes lipids. So it's uh, hydrophobic. It's one and the other. You know, it's, so it doesn't, so it doesn't like the water. milk then. I've always heard, I remember in college, I had this, this, this guy who was like, I look like he was like, like to another older brother in a sense and he'd be like hey when i was too high for smoking for the first time for real and like really smoking um he'd be like hey drink milk it'll, it'll sober you up it doesn't do that so there's a lot of things that are in milk so potentially it could there could be something you know else within uh, everything else but i will say it is very fatty and um if you like let's say consumed an edible it could bind to that fat and get you know past your blood brain barrier just a little bit quicker so it might actually make you a little bit fucked up depending on what you got going on but th- potentially, yes, there could be, it could potentially do it. I, I will say, uh, actually, it seems very counterintuitive, but there is a lot of science behind this. Alcohol. If, uh, and this kind of goes back into what I wanted to talk about uh, yeah, a little bit earlier. There is, a, there is a difference when you consume an edible orally. When you consume it and you actually ingest it, it is going through your liver, uh, you know, in the glucuronidation process, and it's actually getting converted into what's referred to as 11-hydroxy-THC. It is anywhere... From two to some studies are saying up to like 20, 30 times as potent as THC. That makes sense. Psychoactive. There's there's been people that I've hung out with and they they strictly are edibles. And then they and then a friend would bring a, you know, a joint into the party. And and they're like, this is like this is nothing. This is. Yeah. They're like, because I'm so used used to 11 hydroxy, man, like the THC and shit. Holy smokes. I've learned a lot during this podcast and we've talked weed for an entire hour um there's so much smokes. more it just goes on and yeah. on and on because i mean one of the one things i always out would ask you about too was like when you had the male female and there's like the secondary plants like i guess the pollination and and cross-pollination process you, you people see these things where they're like oh 
we cut it off and you know made a a sliver of this one and kept it going how does that work like um what is it called a drone it's a drone right a clone a clone yeah you're referring yeah you're referring to cloning that is that is very very common in the cannabis industry you'll basically have a mother plant you'll cut you know 10 to 18 inch uh, sections off um and then you you can use rooting hormone on that to get the roots to go faster uh but basically that will then turn into a whole plant you could also do uh, crazy things like grafting where you grow another plant and then uh, attach the cannabis plant on top of it. So if there's an already uh, existing root structure, like a tomato, plant. correct? Yes. yes. You can just attach it. Yeah, like a very common grafting plant that people do for fun is called a, a ketchup and fries plant. They'll have a, a, a specific potato bottom that is, you know, in the roots. They'll chop it and then they'll put a tomato on top. Ketchup and it grows both. And it grows both. Yeah. So when you're done, when it's harvest time, you have potatoes and tomatoes. So I was so watching all you gardeners out there. Some extra today. fun cool stuff into potatoes, ketchup, and fries. Well, I was watching a, a TikTok earlier today, and she had uh, somehow uh, a spearmint plant was producing blueberries also, and the blueberries were very—they tasted grafting. like spearmint. Yeah, that's grafting. So, so is that the, like with the grapples, when like you have apples that taste like grapes and shit. Like I've been seeing there, those things. I don't there. know about that necessarily. I am. I am. They very well could be, but that that could also be genetic modification. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of that going on in, with food nowadays as well. Uh, basically, yeah. all of the corn that we have nowadays is entirely Not genetically really. modified. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all based off of a grass. Oh, so the, a question that I was thinking about while I was peeing. Uh, so marijuana, is it a flower, a fruit, or a vegetable? Ooh. So it's technically a fruit. Um, it's not a flower. They refer to it as flower. But it's a fruit. It is, they, it is also referred to as the fruit of the plant. Okay, but technically... Fruits come from the budding flowers, right? Or like there's it's the flower first, then just the whole thing with seeds. fruit is a lot of people associate fruit with sweetness, and you can have like fruits that are poisonous. Fruits well, that tomato are is a fruit because the tomato is a fruit. But yes, I'm I'm, yes, I'm stating like it starts off in the spring as a flower, though it gets pollinated, and then it starts uh, and grows its fruit, though. And then no, it's works. it's the whole life cycle of the actual bud. The the female plant will uh, has pistils on it that will then collect pollen, and then they will basically kind of go pseudo penis. Not it's a pseudo penis. Not it's not like the hyenas guys. <laughs> uh, cannabis does not have pseudo penises. All right. So back to uh, the lunch break, you're going to go ahead. And if your manager asks where you're going, you're going to go have some fruit and praise Mary Jane. Yeah. Right. There Full, you circle. Go. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes, David. Uh, Dr. Dave in the house. Uh, this is very informative. I learned a lot. Uh, what are some stupid, interesting facts that you have when it comes to the industry? And stupid. I can just text something. Kind of like a pickup line. If you if somebody you're gonna go up to and it's a pickup line, you're gonna say this is the first thing you're gonna say about marijuana. First thing I would say about marijuana, how it could actually help people and not uh, just uses to get people high. And uh, that's unfortunately with the recreational uh, uh, aspect of it in the United States, which is a good thing. I do think that pe uh, people should be using cannabis more so than alcohol. Not talking shit about drunk discussions or anything, but yeah, that's just my personal. Head. That's just my personal opinion. I have never, in my personal opinion, I and in, in my personal life, I've never seen someone get high and then go start a fight. But I've seen a lot of people drink alcohol and want to go start fights. So just with that or simple logic arsenic. right there, yeah, <laughs> do or crazy. Usually shit. they're high and they mess up and then they they're arsonists. Yeah. So that's different. Yeah. <laughs> Paul's over here doing math. One plus this equals fire. Fire fish actually <laughs> fish. Uh, so okay. Yeah. yeah, 
I, there's there's a lot of very very cool things that can happen with cannabis like for instance your cb1 and cb2 receptors the cb1 receptors is all in your brain that's like what gets you high your cb2 receptors is in your periphery like whenever you're feeling like very very sedated and like couch locked that's usually your cb2 very that's lazy, something that's very very, very interesting yeah. yeah yeah so they're, they're they're actually two separate uh uh, uh receptors so we've got another question. What about CBC and CBN? Those are kind of yes. up and coming now. CBC, cannabichromine, and CBN, canna, uh, cannabinol. Uh, cannabinol is one of my favorites because uh, just a little bit of cannabinol can really knock you out, guys. Like when I mean knock you out, like if you have trouble sleeping, insomnia. Is that cannabis alcohol? No. Oh, because it just rolls off the tongue. I was like, that would be awesome. There what are like there are alcohols in cannabis. Like So there is natural alcohol. Yes, like French, al French alcohol. Um, I tested for that. That is also referred to as a terpene. Based off of a fer uh, like a fermentation process or during growth? Or? It's really just more so kind of like it's a technically an alcohol. It's still like a hydrocarbon, but it's just really the the way that the plant makes it, you know. And it's so just... you're referring to CBN knocks you completely out. Is that a product? It's CBC then. CBC is find? another really really good one for like. Uh, there's a lot of research going into it right now for like. Um, um, antihistamine type of properties they think that it might have something to do there there's a lot of research going in for cbc for so like uh, natural, antifungal okay. properties and things like that uh cannabichromine is is a little bit newer in the grand scheme of things even though it was discovered um a few years ago uh, it, it's still not as much uh research has been going into it as a lot of these other cannabinoids like delta delta 10 because they unfortunately um, they get the spotlight. Out. Yeah, they get the spotlight. While all the other the guys, in my opinion, that are really really cool and can actually you know have potential to really help out modern medicine, they're kind of down there. And one thing I do want to mention, guys, specifically with cannabis, uh, especially regarding governments and things like that. Oh fuck! The is the uh, if cannabis uh, did not work and was so bad, then why does the United States have a federal patent on CBD and THC? Do not take my word for it. Look it up. The current drug He's is called Renabinol and Marinol. You can actually get it prescribed to you. It is a THC oral spray, and I believe they have a pill now as well. Um, but they actually have a federal patent on that. So I wonder if it who didn't has work, access to that. Why would there patent? be a federal patent? And everyone else, David is very happy, and he would never commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, David, can I do you not that? have any information on the Clintons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so to just conclusion, right? Uh, this is we're we're ended up at the end of the podcast. So uh, we we didn't talk about LK ninety nine. Um, next time, yeah, and I would really yeah. love to be about that because I'm ready to go in on LK ninety nine. I mean, honestly, we love you actually, here. Actually, fuck um, it, let's do a longer podcast. Do you want to just keep going? Yes, because I and actually, I actually the the LK ninety nine and the cannabis kind of ties into each other. If if I can if I can start there, you take it away, dude. Take so. LK99, uh, to kind of start off and give an introduction on what it is, LK99 was discovered, um, I believe it was by the South Koreans. Korea. South Korea, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's supposedly a air, like natural pressure, natural like ambient temperature superconductor. So this is a very, very big thing, guys, for everything. Literally everything we do in modern technology, superconductors are a big thing. But going off of to cannabis and how this ties in is graphene, hemp-based graphene, actually has much stronger uh, capabilities and sustainability uh, for uh, not necessarily a superconductor as aspect, even though it does have a lot of superconductor qualities. Um, it's not fully a, tr a true superconductor because it does have resistance, but um, it is potentially has is, has the ability to replace <laughs> lithium ion 
the second we find a way to produce large-scale graphene. So as long as we get large-scale graphene production, we could potentially have cannabis, hemp cannabis, replace all of our lithium ions. So Tesla, that could be a hemp car. Literally it, a hemp. It, it charges and 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 to get not only does it charge up to a hundred times faster. Yeah, it has a four hundred times longevity capacity. and a five hundred times capacity for charging. So imagine. Uh, so let's put it in layman's terms. Something that will get people excited. So imagine having a smartphone that could last for an entire week and charges in five minutes. Yeah. Imagine not having that. A- not only that. It didn't have to take a poor child in Africa, you know, mining the fucking lithium and cobalt. It was made sustainably right here in the great USA. So uh, let's let's break off. Go to LK99. LK99. Yeah, let's do it. What is LK99? It's a polycrystalline material claimed to be a room temperature ambient pressure superconductor. That means it can conduct electricity without any resistance in everyday settings. So the team that discovered it is based in South Korea out of the Quantum Energy Research Center. Um, Some of the cool things when it comes to potential importance about LK99, um, not only being a room temperature, we've all we've seen videos of like what looks like a magnet hovering, but it's it's that's like smoking. uh, That's because it's liquid nitrogen, nitrogen, nitrogen. super super cold, which also not only requires energy and things like that to. Get it to that point. This is something that's stable at room temperature. Allegedly. 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 (laughs) So it's funny because like I I told David we were talking about this and he read into it. Didn't you? Like you read through the whole article. I read through every. Yes. I read through every single article, looked at the graphs and everything. And I hate to break it to you guys. Not before it all starts and everything. But we have yet to been able to recreate it. But I do want to dive into on why that is. I still think that there's a lot of potential. but I will say, even in the original original articles, it isn't a true superconductor until it's less than like negative 34 degrees Celsius. So it's still technically not an ambient temperature, ambient pressure superconductor, but it's the closest effing thing that we have right now, guys. And I do but think it's that- it's only ever happened once. Still never happened once. And it was extremely small and scale, guys. And they can't guys. recreate it. it. Fucking spec. And, we can, yeah. and the reason why I think we can't recreate it is because basically it's so simple. It's basically like, uh, lead, sulfur, and like potassium, you know, and they're just kind of uh, cooking it for like 750 degrees Celsius and boom, there it is. Like that's the way Simple. they literally describe it in the article. Um, the problem is, is the actual crystallization. And the reason I know this is because of the cannabis industry that I was in, but we had to try to crystallize uh, THC. Uh, if we were doing hydrocarbon extraction, we were trying to crystallize it was THC. A percentage. Right? Yeah, that's it, where you it was almost pure crystalline THC at that point. And that's the whole reason why it was so sought after in the market and everything. Um, and my personal opinion is they are not crystallizing it correctly. They're not using the correct pressures and, te- and uh, perfect temperatures that are needed in order to perform the perfect crystalline structure. And you can actually see when you're looking at the picture of the superconductor, I wish we could pop it up for you guys. Um, there is impurities that you can visibly see in the one picture that they have, these little circular black spots. Um, and in my personal opinion, I think those right there are the true semiconductor. I think the rest of it is not actually the true semiconductor. I think those uh, balls, those little spherical balls that you see on the inside of that picture, I personally believe that that is the true LK99. So that's like so, a reaction that's happening? Yes. Or, yes. Dr. David over here is focused on marijuana when he realistically could be 
the Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, and also, it doesn't necessarily mean going back to uh, the LK99, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is a superconductor Jew. Basically, what they did is they spun a magnet underneath it um, and it moved, which is a property of superconductors. If you, you know, put magnets to it, it will fly. Diamagnetism. Yes, but that's, that's going at really what I'm getting at. It could just be bi- diamagnetic. And if it's yeah. diamagnetic, I mean, fuck, copper's diamagnetic. It's a no, property so associated can... with superconductors, but not a bunch of different metals yes. and materials. Yes. 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 So it, it very well could not be that. And also another thing um, that is very, very important for this, uh, even though a lot of people w- would, you know, want to use it for like phones and, you know, this, that and the Any other kind of normal replacement of batteries. Or? The, yeah, the big, not necessarily batteries, the biggest, in my opinion, after looking at, at its actual structural capabilities and like, oh, we can use it for new MRIs and, that and the other kind of get into that nuclear technology. So the biggest problem that we have with nuclear fusion right now. Oh, cold fusion reaction. Well, there is such thing as cold fusion reaction. You know, helium's working on stuff like that. But uh, the big problem is we need these superconductors in order to produce this, you know, even large scale and small scale fusion and fission reactions. Um, In in some cases, we just don't have the, you know, proper technology and the proper capabilities to do so. Helion is the closest, in my opinion, right now in, re- in relations to actual usable uh, fusion technology. But if they were able to get these superconductors and uh, be able to create much more efficient electromagnets, they can upscale the size of their reactors and make like multiple statewide like, size operations all from something that you know is maybe two to three times their current size. Their current projection right now and their current goal is to have something that can fit in like a shipping container and can be put, you know, in different sites, cities or whatever, and be able to, you know, power things like that. But with these new superconductor technologies, we not only are uh, the the fusion reactions can uh, go a long way, but also the fission reactions can go a long way. We can make stuff a lot more efficient. Space or smaller space? Oh, theoretically, this has the potential to make a much smaller space. Uh, tokamak reactors require a lot of superconductors, um, and that's how we get a lot of our uh, nuclear research. For instance, not a lot, not a lot of people know this, but all of the plutonium that we have as a human species, we made. We've never mined plutonium because it doesn't exist. Its half life is over from the time it was created during the Big Bang. So all of our plutonium that is on this planet right now, we Amazing. made in reactors. Isn't that like that's crazy? crazy. So all the bombs. Why do we have some countries that are doing extensive recycling of their nuclear waste, and then we have some that are as absolutely because they're smart? Because they're absolutely smart. There's multiple different types of reactors. For instance, the Candu reactor in Canada. I I could talk about it for days, but basically, it's able to use natural uranium, basically uranium right out of the ground, and it's able to produce reaction. That has been unheard of. Normally, we have to enrich our uranium for like the modern like stellarator reactors and things like that, tokamaks, things like that. We have to enrich the uranium with uranium-235 and able to create a much uh, more potent, you know, basically, right. uh, you know, energy. But with the just the regular candor reactor or just deuterium and natural uranium, you're able to produce an insane amount of energy and you'd never have to shut down. But the best part about it is, is you're actually able to use the waste from the American reactors and power it in a candor reactor. So basically, if we would literally sell our nuclear waste to all these different countries, we would have an almost unlimited supply. Imagine taking the studies that are going on at the Hadron Particle Collider yeah. and essentially advancing it 100 years in less than a year. Yeah. 
aliens are helping like us, this. right? Yeah, and that's another thing is is the superconductors are in the the LHC. If we were to, to be able to replace these with things like LK99, we would not only be able to make it much more efficient, but we would be able to have the same throughput See, at a much smaller reaction size scale. You know what I'm saying, guys? Like this. I was watching something insane. the other day, and it was on uh, like the Ohio class uh, destroyer subs and the new class destroyer subs that they have that are nuclear powered within not just the Russian but also the American uh, you know, military, and that they're nuclear-powered. But on top of that, they're using salt water, and somehow they have a way now where the salt water has, helps with the cooling, and then it also somehow they're able to filter it. So there's like a new way of filtration of salt water because of this, these new Ohio-class submarines, and they're able to have filtered salt water while they're out there. And theoretically, all they need is to stop for food. It makes their unlimited amount of so, oxygen. It makes their unlimited amount it's of been around If you're referring to if you're referring it's to the nuclear reaction subs, what they're doing is they are uh there there's a lot of different types of isotopes kind of going full circle to what we were talking about earlier. Uh there's this uh compound called deuterium, which <laughs> is a hydrogen molecule that has uh I believe it's an extra proton in it. Right. Uh, it might be an extra neutron, but it's basically referred to as heavy water. Actually, I think now that I'm talking out loud, it wouldn't be a proton because that would be a completely different molecule. It would be an extra nu neutron. The uh, alcohol is getting. Okay, so, but um, deuterium is what is needed for a lot of these reactions uh, because it, the heavy water is able to reflect neutrons and able to bounce them off and shoot them. And basically, it makes for a much more stable uh, reaction. Um, and that's the whole reason why the can-do reactor is much, much uh, uh, more efficient is because it utilizes deuterium. Normal pressurized water reactors is what we have like the stellarators token max the like way that. they made it seem is they were taking like the salt water from right outside of yeah they the are ship. so basically they're filtering out deuterium deuterium heavy water is naturally present in salt water it's a very low concentration but theoretically we have an unlimited amount of deuterium on this planet because of the, of the ocean of the ocean yes so the nuclear fission is a very 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 important thing to look into as a species because we basically would have an unlimited supply of it so that we could have fresh water whenever we want yeah all we would need is helium all we would need is, is a compound called helium-3 which, which is, is it very abundant or no? it is very very rare but there is deposits deposits on our own moon there is and that's the whole reason why china is trying moon. to get that is why china is trying to get to the moon specifically is for helium-3 they have came out and said oh, wait, i don't i didn't think we can do that because the earth is flat <laughs> shut up paul <laughs> i'm kidding Holy shit! That was for you, Connor. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're getting closer to the end of the podcast. But last question that I have: Say you have somebody that's really interested in getting into this field, getting into the studies, being able to say what you're saying and learn about everything that you're learning. Where would you start if you could start again? Would you still take the same field, I guess, or the same path? Is that what you're asking? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Oh my dude. gosh, yes. I, if, due if to, I due to the degree that I got to do, like just put it in perspective, guys. Just due to the degree that I got to do, I was uh running a GC with an FID, which is what uh, a gas chromatograph. I was running HPLCs, high high pressure liquid cr uh, chromatographs. Um, I was running uh LCMS triple quads, which is basically an HPLC that then goes to a triple quad mass spec. I was running ICPMSs. I was running these things on a two year degree that people don't even get to touch. One of them until they're a graduate or in a doctor's program. And I was using all of them before I even left college. You're you know what I'm literally saying? the definition of a hipster when it comes to marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Dave, he's going for his doctorate in marijuana. So I'm trying. It's, it's That's be... what I'm going for. How many doctorates of marijuana exist? What is, is it really so a doctorate there is of some. marijuana or is there like subs? Like I am a, a doctor. There is, of there is a master. Of, there, there, is a, there is a master of science uh, in, in uh, cannabis and that is what I'm going for. 
Um, okay. But there, there, as t- as far as I know, there's not a specific doctorate degree for cannabis specifically. There are you, a lot of. Do you think eventually you're going to become a professor of? I technically I was technically yeah, I, I was a, a substitute teacher for the Cleveland School of Cannabis. Um, unfortunately, they didn't ever need me, but I was on the you know on their payroll and everything, and so I technically was a, a substitute teacher for the Cleveland School of Cannabis. Do you think uh, most for, of the students and the reason why you tested uh, high is because they were high? Does it help to study high when you're high and like pass a test when you're high? Like, so is, I will say there is a question, there, there is a lot of question. there is a lot of research um, recently that has been going in for ADHD and cannabis, and um, there is a lot of people that I know that consume cannabis regularly, show up to tests high, and they ace every single test. So, but I also think that there's a lot of different factors to that. So, when you go just for, just for them, when you go for your PhD in this field. Uh, everyone has to do like a thesis. Have you ever thought about like what your thesis will be on? Yes, I thought field? I thought a lot about my uh, my doctoral thesis um, and the thesis that I might have to do for my uh, master's program and things like that. My master's program is going to be more genetics uh, focused, um, but my doctoral thesis, I don't know, man. I might end up going a completely different route, uh, you know, and start going more nuclear, you know, something like that. With 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 with, with marijuana? No, not more so <laughs> with uh, analytical testing. Okay. Like the that. show Hiroshima, how it is to get high. No, yeah. no not necessarily. Boom, that. I just want stoned, uh, infiltrate. <laughs> I want clean energy. That's what yeah. I'm really about. Sustainable, sustainable clean energy. Because theoretically, no, say, that's we exactly will be not just have. We'll have the hemp, which can make you know ropes and oils and all this stuff that we have. It can make fuel potentially. Uh, it's it's like the 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 plant that can solve all the problems in a sense. So, yeah. yeah. Is that something like like you'd go? No, for there there actually is. Like for instance, the hemp graphene battery. You know that potentially right there could solve the biggest problem right now that we have with energy consumption. Is that it, we have no store, fucking way to store it, it. Right? Yeah, we have no way to store it. We can yeah, we can produce energy like that, guys. We just don't have ion. any way to store it. Yeah, lithium ion, nickel hydride, and then nickel there's a few other alternatives. But there is there is a lot of research with some batteries. sulfur batteries that are going on right now. Um, things yeah. like that that are very promising. But uh, yeah, so far in my opinion, from what I've seen with the actual overall, so. I guess we'll end it with this one question. Everyone dreams and hopes that like, hey, we're going to get out of this, um, you know, prohibition of not just the stigma around marijuana, but the also the restrictions of us. Yeah. How long do you think it'll be until we're allowed to fully not just like consume as a recreational like alcohol or anything else that we have, but like start sort of really like diving into, into testing? of of this for all spectrums to help us so the biggest problem is going to have to do with the federal government and uh, unfortunately they make way too much money off of cannabis prohibition i mean for fuck's sakes guys it's legal in dc to consume cannabis i was just there a couple weeks ago i saw people smoking weed out you know outside uh senators uh, senators yeah yeah no outside fucking the you know the senate and shit like that you know um but it is still federally illegal, and I kind of very, find it very, very uh, hyper, hypocritical for them to, you know, be be able to do that. Um, and they're the ones that are also the ones saying, like, no, we want to keep it uh, illegal and don't want to reschedule it. But so we on. have a mom in the questions right now. Uh, she's asking, does David have any thoughts on THC and CBD when it comes to breastfeeding? Yes. So um, I will say this: this is. Uh, could potentially upset a lot of individuals. Um, I will say that there has been people that I have met that consumed during their pregnancies. Um, one of the individuals that I met, she had uh, three doctors and a lawyer as her kids. Um, and she consumed during all of her pregnancies. But I will say this, CBD, 
attacks multiple, uh, I'm sorry, not multiple, but fast replicating cells. That's one of the reasons why it is so good for cancer and things like that is because it basically stops the ultra quick replication of cells. So we it's not good that. for breastfeeding. This is, but, yeah. yeah. We don't know. And I think that- And does it transmit to the baby then? Absolutely. It, yeah. We have proven that it goes through the blood-brain barrier and it goes through and is able to go through the placenta and uh, you know affect your baby what like about that. into like the breast milk as well? Itself? It does go into your breast milk. It, again, going back to the fact that it is very uh, fat-loving, it is lipophilic, it does go into your breast milk. But again, I think that there's a lot of research that needs to be done with it because it helps so much with these pregnancy problems. For instance, uh, there is conditions where Both these mothers physically like cannot that. eat. Uh, and also that too, but at that point, you not, uh, you know, once the once the baby's out of you, you can always you know bottle feed. You don't have to like at that point. There's nothing necessarily like forcing you to breastfeed at that point. There's different options if you really truly needed it as a medicine at that point. You could, but I will say, you know, there there look into your research. I'm also looking to you know have to realize, guys, uh, if you consume cannabis, a lot of states they will and, and CPS especially they will take your baby still. Uh, so definitely, definitely look into that um, before doing this. But there is a lot of research with like menstruation um, and cannabis. And there's also a, t uh, a little bit of research going on right now of pregnancy, pains and things like that and how cannabis could potentially help. Like here's the whole thing. If, if you're physically not able to eat at all and you're just constantly puking all day and this medicine is able to get you to eat and able to get nutrients to your baby, in my opinion, and, and nothing else is working. In my personal opinion, for that specific instance, it might be something to look into for your child. But you also have to realize that that mother could potentially have her child taken away once it is born because she consumed cannabis the entire time. And it is deem that still a level one drug. It, it is. It is still a schedule one drug, guys. It is still it is more scheduled it, it, to put, put it in perspective, guys. You can buy meth right now at a like going to a doctor. You can get prescribed methamphetamine. Not Adderall. I'm not talking about Adderall. I'm talking about the true methamphetamine. It is still a drug that they can prescribe you. They try They try not to because of the whole meth problem and things like that. They try to do like Adderall, Vyvanse, things like that. But you still can get methamphetamine. You know? Wow. Um, so if that's still illegal and that's still okay, but, you know, cannabis isn't okay, I don't know, man. Like, I, And one's naturally grown from the ground and one's yeah, you've yeah, made synthetically. There, you can still consume your uh, ADHD medications while pregnant in some cases. Wow. Now, has there, and there's been, so, I'm pretty sure like, there's been a lot of studies on that, though, and they haven't had, ever come out and said, like, it's caused complications or problems with the child while you're taking a, a speed, theoretically, while you're pregnant during your well, pregnancy. It definitely has. There's definitely been a lot of studies in regards to that because it's it's one of, I, I mean, would imagine, it negative? Ritalin, things like that. Is this it's, child coming out and going to be like the flash and he's just fucking zooting everywhere? Like They have had people who are addicted to the drugs. They have had like into, like cases where they've had like the, you know, stereotypical, like back in the day, they had like the crack babies and everything. The crack babies. And they yeah. have had individuals that... Uh, have had uh, specific cases, but that's one of those things that they, um, uh, not really in the limelight because they're more quote unquote, like specific cases, you know, and things like right. that. And so I keep wanting to end this podcast because we've gone past time, but at the same time, this is the most fascinating conversation I've had in so long. This is great. I'm getting to talk about cannabis. I'm getting to talk about nuclear reactors and, you know, semiconductors and I hope you so, guys have me on in the future. <laughs> absolutely. Well, the last time I was at, well, yeah, the last time I was up in Ohio, you and I sat in the kitchen for a little bit talking about this. And I was like, fuck, I need you to talk about this on the podcast. I was like, this is, 
beyond fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We had a lot of people in the chat. Uh, you be sure to tune in every single Saturday, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's when we go live on Twitch. Uh, we are looking at uh, possibly hopping on Kick and other platforms for streaming. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever podcasts can be found every single Monday at 6 a.m. So it's a nice little podcast to start your week before uh, you get to work while you're driving. And because uh, of you guys, we we do this because of you. So like, like, comment, share. Uh, you know, tell your friends about us, go to our merch site, get some cool merch. We're working on new stuff and updating it all the time. Uh, and, you know, if you want to see David back onto the podcast again, let us know. You you, you, you guys want to talk friends. about nuclear reactors. Please have me back on. <laughs> Please have me back so on. He's the, I think he's the brains of the family. Next week. We might have to get him back on here. Again. Yeah, I'm thinking next week because I do want to get into the nuclear reactor side of uh talking especially going deep diving into lk99 because i'm sure in the the following week there's gonna be something that happens there's gonna uh, be a big special coming in it's yeah brand new guys brand everyone's new. looking at it right now and yeah. everyone's criticizing it's gonna be it. under intense scrutiny for the week exactly it's fun to talk about yeah so but with that being yeah. said peace, peace.